Are you ready, Ma? I'm ready, Erin. Let's do this. This week, Gone with the Bushes takes you to San Francisco, 1967. Ring, 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 went the trolley. And we are doing the film, another film that is on the 100 must-see list. Guess who's coming to dinner? Dun, dun, dun. Columbia Pictures film starring Spencer Tracy. Catherine Hepburn, Sidney Poitier, and Catherine Houghton. Possibly yeah. how you say her name. Yeah, yeah. The film starts with. Oh, um, wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Let's, I mean, there's more to these credits here. It was uh, written by uh, William Rose, and it was directed by one Stanley Kramer. Who, it has been said, among the independents, none seemed more vocal, more liberal, more pugnacious than young Stanley Kramer. He also directed such films as The Defiant Ones, Inherent the Wind, Judgment at Nuremberg, and my personal favorite, It's a Mad, 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 Mad World, which William Rose also wrote. And we will be doing that at a later date. We will have um, a, a guest with us that time. That's a special extravaganza. That will be an extravaganza. I need to get a headphone splitter before we do that. Indeed. So, guess who's coming to dinner is the story of a uh, liberal family living in San Francisco. And their rich, daughter, rich, rich family, ugh, extremely rich. Their daughter brings home a man of color and says she's going to marry him. And they have that evening to give their approval. Yes, it's a very everyone's on a time constraint. This very is much. Boom, boom, boom. Ticking talk. The film yeah. opens with an airplane flying in the air. And the song playing is, you've got to give a little, take a little, make your heart break a little. That's the story. That's the glory of love. So, uh, I promise I won't sing again. They, um, it shows passengers disembarking from the plane. And you see Sidney Poitier, who you... Uh, know right away getting off the plane with a white woman they're walking through the airport and uh the first time i saw it i only watched them this time i watched the crowd and the crowd was doing their talking behind their hands and staring thing really because i was watching i was trying to watch both and i guess i'm just so used to it i didn't see anything going on out of the ordinary there was there was there was a bit of it Ah, see again I'm just so used to it. They uh, they get in a taxi, and uh, the driver sees them kissing in the rearview mirror. And she's uh, they are in San Francisco, and they are headed to her family familiar family her <laughs> home. Her family home. What what happened there? <laughs> 
But did you like write it in Spanish? You're gonna be like her familia? <laughs> no. Her familia casa? What happened? <laughs> a word for that. And she is, uh, I believe the term is effervescent. She is Well, that's just, a nice way to put it. <laughs> she's giddy. She is um, happy, happy, happy. She knows that her parents who raised her to believe that no one is different than anyone else is um, they're going to be fine with this. It's not even a thing. And he has uh, a line where he goes, uh, um, how about how about uh, you go home and I check into the hotel? Yeah. But she goes, no, no, no. My parents are going to be great with this. You don't understand it. Won't, it won't be a problem at all. She's a bit. First thing, you said effervescent. I say she's a bit much. You say she's like, oh, my parents aren't going to have anything to ha- say about this. I say she's a bit naive. Naive. Tomato, tomato. True. Yeah. She is naive. But I believe, I believe the reason, because um, a review I read said that she was the only two-dimensional character in in the movie. And, well, but she... I uh, believe... Uh, <laughs> That she's being over the top because she is nervous. She doesn't want to um, give in to the fact that she's nervous. She doesn't even want to let herself believe that she's actually nervous. And she has to go into it saying everything's going to be fine. Because if she had any doubt at all, they would pick up on that. And then it would be um, a disaster. Okay. So that's an interesting. I'll, I'll give you that. I'll give you yeah, that. Yeah, I, I, get, I get where she's coming from. <laughs> oh, <laughs> do you? <laughs> um, but uh, I, my problem is, is that she is the weakest link of this cast by a lot. And she's the niece of Catherine Hepburn. Yeah, in real life. In real life. So there's the family resemblance. I'm sure, I'm, you know what, I'm, all the chips in betting yeah old old auntie kate pulled strings and that's how she got the part oh yeah there's no doubt in this because she is i'm there's a i I guess we'll get to it but she's just not a good actress so she doesn't really pull off the that delicate balance which you're saying like oh because you know she's being super into it she's this is not a strong performance for her in this in my humble opinion okay I sort of identified with her. Wow. So I'm kind of team Kathy. Well, you're team Joey. That was her character's name is Joey. Yeah, Joanne. Right, right. So you're team Joey. I Look, I'm also team Joey because I recognize that. Unfortunately, I'm... I'm also kind of, I guess I'll be, we'll get to it why this makes sense. But in this instance, I'm kind of Team Tilly because I think that the role of of Team Joey should have been placed by, played by a better actress. I'm a little, you know, I'm a little like, I think we could have done a better job with this. It's very important. We, we, we could have found someone, maybe a, maybe a young Vanessa Redgrave. That would have been fantastic. Can you imagine? Well, I just nailed that. I just blew everyone's mind with that. Vanessa Redgrave in this role as Joey. Okay. Moving on. Moving on. 
They uh, first up is mom works at an art gallery. Mom, who I will call Kate from now on because it's Catherine Hepburn, but her name in the film is Christine. Yeah. And she goes by Chris. And she goes by Chris. Um, I must say, I thought she was beautifully lit the entire movie. I thought she looked absolutely beautiful. She does. And she's also, I believe that she single-handedly ushered in the, like, older woman chic look. The popped yeah. collar, the long yeah. flowing dress, the the scarf hanging off just one shoulder. That that irritated me a bit, but yes, yes, she she had the 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 high necks before. Um, who was that that hated her neck? Nora Ephron. Oh yeah, but I mean, you see it now all the time. Just picture right. picture a rich older woman, right? And you've got popped collar. I mean, her, her her unruly hair is up and still unruly, but off of her, off of her shoulders and off of her face. She she did look beautiful, and it was um, her swan song with Spencer Tracy. He died seventeen days after the wrap of the film, um, and so I think that she was glowing in her love for him. But anyway, well, she, and she also had really wet eyes the entire film because he was so ill. She was just is this the moment they didn't know. I mean, they couldn't get insurance on him to do the film. He was so ill. So she put up her salary and the director put up his salary to uh, as insurance if they had to get a new actor in to do his scenes if he didn't make it through the whole movie. That's pretty So dire. she was she was pretty wet-eyed the entire time because she knew this was her last time with him. But you know what's weird? Is it, I mean, talk about a professional actor. Never yeah. got that from old Spencer. You wouldn't guess it when you see this film he, that he was on his last legs. You would not guess it. He is very just uh, uh, bouncy in spirit. Just living life. Who knew? Actor. That is acting. When you they can, to, when you can keep had death to film at the door. His scenes first thing every day, like between nine and twelve, she would bring him to the set. She'd take him home, and then come back and. Um, uh, and I did hear Sidney Poitier was so intimidated to do his scene where, where that we'll get to that he actually preferred that the two of them not be in the room. He's talking to empty chairs. That would be intimidating. Yeah. Yeah. Old wet-eye Hepburn over there looking at you and one knocking on death's door, Tracy. Right. One leg in the grave. <laughs> one leg already. in the grave, Spencer. Mm. Okay, but we digress. So the taxi takes them to mom's gallery and they walk in and effervescent... Joey, her name is Joanna, but okay, they call her Joey. You're winning me over. Joey. All right. Um, they walk in the gallery and Joey introduces Dr. Prentice. It's the first time you hear that. He's a doctor. To, to Hillary, who is running the gallery right now. And and there's a kinesthetic sculpture that uh, I wrote down that with a question mark, like, is that 
um, symbolic of something. Uh, it was just a really weird thing that you turned a light on and blue bulbs went on. But I didn't know if that had like some subtext to the film. I thought I'd let my film graduate speak to that. Well, obviously the kinesthetic. It's, there's a, a bit of moving. And this film is in 1967 where things are moving. Social things are moving. Oh. I just pulled that out of my butt right now. Yeah. I don't uh, know. You did, but it's interesting because it does come back in later when Aaron will do a, a reenactment a, for A it. scene. Um, uh, Hillary is not impressed. She's um, a white, older woman whose hair doesn't move. She By did, I mean, have, she did have Mrs. Gray hair. Yeah, and Aquanet was used to its... Probably a can a day on her hair. Um, she's not impressed, but um, effervescent Joey, it, it just doesn't even care. It doesn't even matter. And Sydney, you know, like he's standing around. He's seeing the signs, but he's he's not saying anything. Mm -hmm. They get in the cab and they pull up to a B.I.G. house. Oh, I this mean, thing's this is beautiful. Huge house in San Fran. Ugh. So on the hills, like it, it's looking down at San Francisco. Yes. That's how high because, up it is. Yes. They're very rich and rich people can look down on lessers. And of course, I'm wondering, because I don't remember, I saw this in 1968 and I haven't seen it since. So I'm going, they have to have some help. And yes, the help comes oh. to the door. But then you recognize the help. Yes, Isabel Sanford. It's Wheezy! Who became Wheezy on the Jeffersons, yes. And so she's Tilly. And and Tilly uh, doesn't hold anything back. No, Tilly keeps it 100. Uh, Tilly says, why are you home early? And she looks at Sidney Poitier <laughs> and gives him a look that uh, could have melted him. Oh. I mean, she is not impressed. Not in the least. And then there's this beautiful young black woman. Dorothy. Dorothy in a very trendy dress. And um, he goes, well, who's that? And effervescent Joey doesn't even see that as a threat. Yeah. She just goes, oh, you come here with me, mister. I was like, wait a second, though. I mean, Dorothy's a knockout. She was a knockout. And she just helps Tilly. So I didn't know if she was like Tilly's daughter or if she was someone who just came and helped Tilly around the house, didn't look like she got into any real heavy housework. Yeah, because she was know. she was dressed in that like she looked like a dancer from uh, what was that show with Goldie Hawn, Laughing or something. Laughing or Hullabaloo. Yeah, like one of those like what are they knit dresses or something? Some like tight polyester I, number. I'm sure it was polyester. Yeah, and it was it was you know the hot pink colors. Mm-hmm. So they go into the house, and he is calling his parents who live in Los Angeles. Well, he's also looked around his ha um, around the house, and he, in my mind, how he was looking around was like, "What have I gotten myself into? This house is crazy." These people have more money than the people in the Philadelphia story. 
Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, the Philadelphia story money, like, oh, what's that fancy term for the money? It appreciated. And they moved, yeah. to, they moved to the hills of San Francisco. Yeah. So Tilly's giving her opinion to Joey. And she says, I don't want a member of my own race getting above himself. And um, Tilly and um, effervescent Joey says, but Tilly, I've loved you my whole life. If I can love you, why is it wrong for me to love him? Effervescence. At this point, Kate walks in with a with a snarky little hat upon her head and uh, and a, oh, wait. a beautiful cape lit jacket but so he's calling his family and did you notice that there was the big picture of fdr yes i saw i was like oh well there's a big picture i was like that's a good sign right that's what big i frame thought. picture of fdr yeah it, it wasn't nixon or um eisenhower it was it, it so we're democrats here we're, we're big enough democrats that we have a personalized picture of the fdr <sighs> I mean, but it also says that they come from a, a, a higher class, probably. Yeah, than his background. That they can afford to look liberal. Yes, which gets really good soon. So, so Kate comes in and she goes, "I thought." Oh, wait, wait, wait! Was- she walks in, and I was like, "Is she a sailor or a Union soldier?" <laughs> it looked a lot like my dad's. Um, thinking cap he used to wear for whenever he had to do the taxes because it was the helmet liner for his his World War II helmet. Yeah, it looked a lot like a helmet liner. But it was navy, and she's wearing like this navy look like a pea coat thing, and it's got a high collar. And I'm I'm just like that that didn't def that definitely did not take off that style right there that no. look. And she kept that hat on through this whole scene. I would, I would think she'd start sweating and need to get that hat off. And she goes, I, I thought there was a surprise for me. And Joey goes, well, there is. And, but see, Sydney is still on the phone in another room. Um, and, and so the mom right away knows, oh, it's a man. I, I met him. I only met him myself 10 days ago. At this Here's point, me. though, I'm like, what? Yeah. Ten days? They've known each other for ten days? Yeah. 1967? Yeah. Ten days? Well, hey, she fell in love with t- in 20 minutes. Yeah, then you find out, well, I fell in love in 20 minutes. In ten days, I'm like, wow, well, this... Yeah. This, this just, is moving fast. This is a... <laughs> I mean, you're all ready to be, like, against the parents, but all of a sudden you're like, y'all gonna say something? <laughs> Yeah. And then it cuts to Sydney on the phone with his parents in L.A. And he's telling them, I met a girl. I'm at her house now. We met in Hawaii. Um, and and effervescent Joey comes in and he goes, I'm on the phone with my parents. Oh, hold oh, hold on. Are you going to get to their ages? Yes, it's coming. OK. So he says, yes, she's surprising in a lot of ways. And somehow it comes up that his age is 37 and she's 23. Now he's talking to his dad and his dad's going, yeah, that's right. That's my boy. Yeah. 
Yeah. And then, then Sidney Poitier says, uh, we've been talking about marriage. There are one or two problems, but I'll, I'll write to you about those. I, I don't want to go into them on the phone. Um, <laughs> Dear mom and dad, my wife is as white as this sheet of paper. <laughs> uh, so then it cuts back to Joey telling her mom about Sydney, how he had a wife and he had a son and they were both killed eight years ago. Okay. Time out. Time out. She's been married for 10 days. She fell in love 20 no, minutes in. she hasn't been in. married yet. She's she, been engaged. She was been days. engaged for 10 days. She fell in love 20 minutes in. He's 37. He says he's a doctor. And he said he was married before. And his both of his, his wife and his son died. Is anyone else not like red flags going off? And like yeah. she's on her. She's about to become a dateline. Yeah. You need what's what's the guy? Keith. Ober Where's no, Keith no. Morrison? Yes. Get Keith yes. Morrison in here. Exactly. Cause <laughs> he, he, he's going to need to come. Because because I'm like, um, uh, all right. Look, I know that on the outside that everyone's going to think that I'm I don't approve this marriage because it's about race. But I've got some red flags here. Right. You say your wife and son died? Hmm. <laughs> How, doctor? <laughs> he is indeed a doctor. His name is John Wade Prentice. Uh, Joey is telling this to Kate just as he walks in the room. <laughs> and Kate's face. Doc, doc, you know, doc, she, doc, 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 Dr. Prentice. Yeah, if she, <laughs> she could have won the Academy Award just for that. That's true. Her face. And, yeah. So and then I'm pleased to meet you. And and um, he says to her, would you like to have a seat? And Joey goes, oh, he thinks you're going to faint because he's a Negro. And um, I think I think John says, well, can't we all just sit down? <laughs> and when they sat down, did you notice that Kate was on the edge of a chair and they were sitting down? So she was higher than they were. I didn't notice that. Yeah, I did. Oh. And so then um, Joey says to, to Sydney, uh, well, what did they say when you told them I wasn't a colored girl? And he goes, well, it felt like too big a shock to tell him on the telephone. <laughs> I get what you mean. <laughs> so they say, Tilly made us some sandwiches, so let's go eat. So Tilly is literally <laughs> throwing stuff at John. Tilly gives zero. Tilly has seen Dateline. She watches Dateline. The 1960s, she doesn't even know what Dateline is yet. But if there was a 1967 version of Dateline, Tilly has watched it. She's got her finger on the pulse. And she's like, I don't know who you are. And that's how she treats him. Right. And you're coming in here to break the heart of this little girl I've raised. Mm -hmm. You are you're probably a scoundrel and a flim flam man. Yeah. And, and who... who just who is John Wade Prentice? Yeah. We'll get into that in a minute. Just who are you? Ooh, ooh, who do ooh, you ooh. think you are? So uh, Joey is saying John flies to New York tonight. Then he's off to Geneva. And I'm flying to Geneva so that we can be married in Switzerland. Which sounds, you know, Switzerland, you know, there's doesn't take any sides. Oh, neutrality? Neutrality. I was just thinking, oh, Switzerland, where they can just leave their baby to a stranger. 
who will take excellent care of her and give her back so happy. If they don't sell her into slavery. Not that there's been a big article in the news lately about women getting tricked into letting their kids go and they end up on the black market this week. But anyway, I digress. So, Joey is telling Kate, you know, John thinks the fact that he's a Negro, I'm not, will create a serious problem. And Kate goes, does he? (laughs) And I told him 97 times it wouldn't make a bit of difference to you and Daddy because you guys have raised me to be, to see people, uh, to us, whatever. Is she, she the only kid? Yeah. That we didn't hear about a brother mm. or another sister. True. And then Spencer Tracy comes home. And he's supposed to be having a game with Monsignor, who you got to love, the mm-hmm. Monsignor. And um, Tilly goes to the door and greets him and says, all hell's done, broke loose. Yeah, she's just she's just fit to. She's like, oh, oh, and and she's so like just discombobulated that she can't even get the words out. Right. So Spencer Tracy walks out to the out to the terrace where they all are with a lovely view of the Golden Gate Bridge, and um, she introduces uh, Daddy. This is John Wade Prentice. He's a doctor. Oh, really? We should practice. Well, I've been in Africa the last few years. And um, and then Kate goes, Dr. Prentice will be here for dinner. There's a great deal to tell you. And, and Dad's walking away. He, all he cares about is his golf game. Yeah. And he gets halfway through the next room and he stops and goes, what? 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 And he walks back and he goes, what the hell's going on here? He, this man can read a room. And so... Sydney Poitier says, your daughter and I have this little problem. Um, I fell in love with your daughter and she fell in love with me. And we're here to see if you had any objections if we get married. So Spencer Tracy spends so much time just staring straight ahead. He's just staring. And then he sits down and then he looks at Kate and uh, effervescent Joey says, Daddy, you're making John and me nervous. Nothing in the world is going to change this. We aren't going to change our minds. We want your blessing, and we want you to state clearly that you have no objections. <coughs> Excuse me. <laughs> At which point he decides he's going to cancel his golf game. Yeah, I'm going to cancel the golf and he goes into his library, into his library, and he calls some schmuck that's the, somebody who works for him and says, I want you to call the library, see everything they have on John Wade Prentice. Then I want you to call um, the whoever the board of doctors is and see if they have anything on a John Wade Prentice. Yeah, finally, somebody doing their due j- diligence. So then he looks at Kate and says, did you, did it ever occur to you that this might happen? And Kate says, they mean what they say. They know what they're doing. At which point, Sidney Poitier walks in the room and he says, I don't mean to interrupt, but I want you to know 
there's no real commitment here unless you two approve. If you two don't approve, there will be no marriage. Um, she doesn't seem to think there's any difference. Um, and uh, uh, Kate is like, why? Like, why do we have to approve is basically what she's asking. And, and he calls her Joanna. He doesn't call her Joey because he's making her grown up. And we can't take on any special pro problems. Joanna is very close to the both of you. And if you don't approve, it would damage her. And I want to keep her as happy as the day I met her. Thank you for the opportunity to speak my piece. And he leaves. Well, and that was very well said. He's well spoken for a Negro. <sighs> Kate is as we, and then Kate says, you know, she is who we brought her up to be. We didn't add, even if she falls in love with a colored man. Yeah, they didn't put any caveats on that. They exactly. were all like, there, you don't look down on anybody. We're all the same. On the inside, we're all the same color, blood and guts. And the, the father goes, well, he does have quite a bio. I mean, his bi biography is ridiculous. It is I, completely ridiculous. <laughs> I read that the writer did that on purpose so that it couldn't be a class reason or uh, any questions about his background or his job. The only thing that would make them question this marriage is race. And that's why the writer made him beyond amazing again not a dead wife and a dead son <laughs> not oh we've only known each other for 10 days and we have to get married right away but i get it the 10 days is a is a convention of the writing it's it it well no the 10 days isn't a convention of the writing the them getting married right away is the convention of the writing because then it, it gives you a suspense. It gives you a time clock. It's like Hitchcock with the suspense. Right. Will they or won't they? Yeah. This all has to come to a uh, completion tonight. Probably at dinner. Ba-ba-ba. So then he looks at something on his desk and there's $2.20 in it. And he goes, what's this for? And Kate goes, well, he called L.A. and he didn't want um, us to be charged for that call. So he left the money for the long distance call. So uh, Effervescent Joey and Sidney Poitier are out on the patio. Oh, just being so happy together. And um, so Joey says, what do you think? For a whole week, I was nervous. They're laughing on the patio. <laughs> and Kate says to to Spencer, I don't think I've ever seen her as happy as she is right now. I feel happy for her and proud we made her. At which point, a delivery guy comes and brings steaks for dinner. And he and Dorothy, Dorothy get into a dance number. Yeah, where'd this music come from? This, he's this groovy white dude, young kid, and he's dancing, you know. Probably on that marijuana, because it is 1967 it San Francisco. It is, and it is San Francisco. And then he delivers it to Tilly, and Tilly's like, well, you know, how many steaks? I don't know. Tilly says something very Tilly. And then Dorothy's there, 
and Dorothy asked this guy for a ride and he's like, yeah, come on. And then they both like dance away. The music is on his radio in his delivery truck. Oh. Yeah. So they're doing like the Watusi or something. I don't, I, don't, I think they're doing a little something hipper than the Watusi. Eh. I, Watusi comes up soon. Oh. So Tilly says, civil rights is one thing. This here is something else. <laughs> oh, Tilly. Tilly. Tilly is comic relief. She, I mean, she's Wheezy <gasps> Jefferson. So Joey is upstairs packing. Wait. Joey is upstairs she's, with her mom. And she's ironing. Ironing. And she's telling her mom how they met. Mm-hmm. At which point, Kate wants to know just how intimate they have been. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, and Joey goes, do you mean have we been in bed together? He wouldn't. He'd be concerned about my getting hurt. So, then I'm thinking, so, again, I'm thinking dead wife and dead son. Too good to be true. This yeah. is... This is too good to I be mean, true. I mean, come on. I mean, it is 1967. Dun, 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 dun. So, some, so Spencer Tracy and Sidney Poitier are on the patio. And there is music playing... Oh, no, it's a TV show, like Hullabaloo or something. And Spencer Tracy's saying, well, look, look, just look here. I mean, the uh, kids of color, they're dancing, they got some rhythm. And the white kids, uh, not so much. At which point, Sidney Poitier says, well, it's it's our music. And so the Watusi is, um, it it comes from, from inside. Yes, the, the rhythm point, is inside. Spencer Tracy goes, oh, well, he says, yeah, we brought it here. It's our dancing. It's our music. We brought it here. So, of course, we are doing it a little bit better. So then Spencer Tracy says, have you thought of your children? May I just add, this is a question that will come up when you're discussing an interracial what? what What's going to happen to them? I don't know. Maybe they're going to grow up and become president of the United States of America. <laughs> Drop the mic. Obama. So Sydney says, you made her, Mr. Drayton. I just met her in Hawaii. No matter how confident you two are, I'm a little scared, says, says Spencer. Don't you think this is a quick decision? And, and don't you think it's unfair for me to have to make this in one evening? And Joey said, well, my parents are liberals who won't have a bit of problem with this. Sidney Poitier told him. Then there's a phone call from Sidney Poitier's dad. And dad says to Sidney, what do you say we fly up there and have dinner with you? And um, so he goes, oh, no, oh, no, no, no. I mean, we're here. We're the, uh, and Joey takes the phone out of his hands. And says, please come up and have dinner with us. And John's, uh, John's going, uh, I told you they think you're colored. Um, he seems to have made such an impression. And so then Matt's telling, uh, or Spencer's telling Kate 
about this whole mobile medical school in Africa. And he goes around and he gets the best and the brightest from each place, each village. And then they train them. And each one has a specialty. And it's pretty much like an assembly line of surgery. Yeah, but he's making great. He's he's doing things. Oh, yeah. He, he's he, yeah. He's helping the people help themselves. So then he Matt wants or Spencer wants to know, how did this mailman produce a doctor? And at which point Kate says. Guess who's coming <laughs> to dinner. Dun, dun. <laughs> okay. Um, at which point Monsignor comes in. Oh, I love the Monsignor. Are, uh, are the Drayton's Catholic? No, we, we just happen to be really good friends with this Monsignor because they give him scotch. Yes. And so the Monsignor's talking to Spencer Tracy, and he's saying, you're the problem. So the Monsignor said, oh, no, Tracy says to the Monsignor, it's getting like a holy roller meeting in here every minute. Aren't you just a little shocked? And the Monsignor says, no, I've seen several interracial marriages in my time, and, and they have a better success rate than... Regular marriages. I think there's more thought and effort put into them. Um, and he also says, you know, this is quite a famous fellow that she's getting engaged to. At this point, Hillary shows up. Hillary from the gallery. And Hillary came up just to find out what was going on. Oh, Hillary. Hillary is so nosy. So, um, Joey and Dr. Prentice are there, and uh, Joey says, Dr. Prentice and I are getting married. What brings you up here? At which point, Kate says, oh, I'll, I'll walk you out. Go, Aaron. So, Hillary, Kate walks Hillary into her car. Hillary gets in the car, sits down. She shuts the door. She leans on the driver's side window, and we start seeing. Now I have some instructions for you. I want you to go straight back to the gallery. Start your motor. When you get to the gallery, tell Jennifer that she will be looking after things temporarily. She has to give me a ring if there's anything she can't deal with herself. Then go to the office and make out a check for cash for the sum of $5,000. Then carefully, but carefully, Hillary, remove absolutely everything that might subsequently remind me that you had ever been there, including that yellow thing with the blue bulbs, which we have such an affection for. Then take the check for $5,000, which I feel you deserve, and get permanent lost. That's not that I don't want to know you, Hillary, although I don't. It's just that I'm afraid we're not really the sort of people you can afford to be associated with. Oh, don't speak, Hillary. Just go. End scene. End scene. It was great. It was really good. I was like, damn. Damn. Damn, Hepburn. Yeah. Oh, it was so good. If you don't watch it for anything else, watch it for that. Oh, it's great. Watch it for this scene where where she finds out and she's just staring and <laughs> and this tell off. So we cut back to Monsignor up in uh, Spencer Tracy's bedroom. Spencer Tracy's trying to get dressed for dinner. 
And the Monsignor's telling him, they're going to need all the help you can give them. Any two people who love each other that much need to be together. And then the Monsignor says, you know, it's cracking me up a little bit to see this, the liberal, who is you, Spencer Tracy, come face to face with his principles. That reactionary bigot is waiting to get out. And I'm enjoying your discomfort. Mm. So then the Monsignor is invited to dinner. So then we go, uh, and the Monsignor goes, yeah, if I'm not coming, you know, you might be outnumbered by the blacks. <laughs> <laughs> and then he sings, does he sing a Beatles song? Like, we can work yes. it out or something? We can work it out, yeah. Um, you two make me feel quite extraordinarily happy. And so then Joey goes to tell Tilly that there's going to, she goes, what did she say to Tilly? I don't have that written down. Oh, cause, cause she goes to say like, oh, go tell Tilly. And then she, somebody says something to Tilly like, oh, guess who's coming to dinner? And Tilly says something about like Martin Luther oh, King. Not yet. Not yet. Oh. Not yet. Okay. Is this is this when it happens? I, I have it down, but maybe not. At this point, uh, Spencer says to Kate, can we just go, go for a ride? Let's just get out of the house. I need, I need to go for a ride. So they're driving along in San Francisco, and he sees an ice cream place. Well, they, go to, they go to Mel's drive-in. Yeah. And they pull into a parking spot. And he says to the, the little car hop, uh, last time I was here, I had this really good ice cream. I don't remember the flavor, um, but you can tell me. What, what flavor was it? It was so good. So she's going through all the different flavors, and he's going, no, no. So then she goes, Oregon boysenberry sherbet. Yeah, that's it. That's it. I have to say, Ma, I thought that of everyone in this film, I was like, that's my Ma. The, the waitress at the drive-in. The guy, because in her face, she's like, God, this old guy, he expects me to know the last ice cream that he had? Yeah. I was like, that's... Maybe she should have been cast as Joey. She handled it really well. Yeah, because she handled it well, but you could read on her face that she was kind of yeah. like, I, look, buddy, I don't know what. But she was, but she never let on. Right. At which point, Tilly barges into the room while Sidney Poitier is getting dressed. And she says, I don't know what you're trying to pull here with your witticisms. You think you're a smooth-ass, power-talking. She says the N-word. You ain't nobody going to harm her. You ain't even all that good-looking, she says to Sidney Poitier. I guess her standards are rather high. Really? Because I'm with Tilly. I mean, I think he, he's like he's not ugly, but I think my dad's better looking. Well, don't we all? <laughs> At which point, okay, so then we're back to the ice cream stand. And, and he says to the girl, now you remember this flavor because I'm going to want it the next time I come. And she's like, yeah, sure, dude. How much did you tip me? But did we so Did he, we do the part where he tries it and he's like, this isn't it? Yeah. Oh. Go ahead. You can do that. Oh, well, he, she brings it. 
She brings the boysenberry. He tries it. He's like, no, this isn't this isn't it. This isn't what I got. And he honks the horn because he's mad that she didn't remember the right one. And then he's like, hmm, but, you know, it's it's not bad. And he takes a little bit more. And he's like, it wasn't what I expected, but this is actually pretty good. And then the, the woman comes back again and she's like, is this? And he's like, this isn't the one that I ordered last time, but it's pretty good. Thank you. And so she's like, all right. And she walks away. They got their ice cream. He got his ice cream in a glass parfait ve- vessel. And she got a cup of coffee in a, in a china cup. Black. Yeah. Black. <laughs> so he backs out of the parking space and right into a guy's car. He wasn't looking at all. When, he wasn't, the minute he, was he doing put it typical, in reverse, I was like, aren't you going to check your blind spot, Spence? Nope. This is why you don't park behind the handicapped space as a giant. Just <laughs> ask your father. <laughs> there is backing going on and no looking. <laughs> so he backs right into this car that is, of course, owned by a young black man. So the young black man is calling him a stupid old man, which everybody would be. And finally, Spencer Tracy goes, how much would it cost to get it fixed? And he goes, it's going to cost me 30 bucks. I'm going, come on, Jeez. guy. Up the. So Spencer Tracy gives him 50 bucks. To, to buy a new car. <laughs> yeah, Were cars $50 car. back then? <laughs> I was like, oh. is, is this how much inflation has, has just run amok? That no, in you 1967? could not get a car for 50 bucks. Oh, because yeah. that, that kept me up at night. Last night, I was, like, tossing and turning, like, $50 for a new car? Although, see, it wouldn't be a new car. He probably assumed the guy would be getting a used car. Mm -hmm. What? Oh, liberal Spencer Tracy. Oh. Uh, Kate is just laughing, and he goes, there are less than 12% colored in this city. I can't even have Oregon boysenberry sherbet without running into one, (laughs) which was a little levity in the... So at this point, um, Joey and Sydney are at a bar meeting Joey's best friend and and the husband. And they're talking about their plans. And, and the girl goes, well, why aren't you flying out together? Um, and she goes, yeah, why aren't we flying out together? Yeah, that wouldn't be a problem at all. So now we're back to Spencer Tracy and he's saying to Kate I need more than one day to make this decision I'm only thinking of Joey's welfare he's an adult he never should have let this happen you are not behaving in her best interest and Kate has tears in her eyes so now Joey and and Sydney are at the airport to pick up well, the the be- other half. Well, after he says that she doesn't have Joey's best interest, then Kate, she goes out and she looks at the beautiful sunset. And that tear that you have seen the entire film just resting on the ledge of her eyelid finally drops. It only <gasps> took 64 minutes that I've been looking at this tear in her eye. Like, what's going on? Is that glycerin? What's going on there? And it finally drops as she looks at the sunset. So they're at the airport. 
Joey's calling mom to let know that she is, in fact, leaving tonight to go to New York and then Geneva with John Wade Prentice. And he's meeting his parents coming out because this was before uh, you could go actually to the gate to greet your people. So, um, wait, 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 wait a second. What's this day? Hold on. Did you notice that aside from that, the greeting at the airport, that when you arrive to the airport, everything else is exactly the same as from 1967 to now? Like you, you get off the airport, you still walk down, you still go to the baggage claim. The baggage claim is still exactly the same. It's yeah. that metal. You still pick up your bags and you still walk out. It's just it's just very interesting because there's so few things that when you watch an old movie that's, you know, 19, that's 50 years ago, there's yeah. so few things in life, like in our institutions of everything, that everything has changed. That when you see something that you're like, my God, that hasn't changed at all. That's incredible. Mm, think that, about yeah. that. And I didn't even think about this being 50 years ago. <laughs> I... And an old woman. Yeah, this was the this year was the fiftieth anniversary. Wow! More to come on that later when we go through the trivia and tidbits. Oh man! So uh, John is saying to his parents, who are people I've seen before, but um, I can't like their names don't stick out to me. Well, the mother was in Roots, I think. I think she. I think she was Kunta Kinte's mother or grandmother. Yeah. Grandmother, maybe. I think. Really soft-spoken woman. Um, uh, so he's saying, uh, there's one thing I didn't explain to you. It's going to be kind of a shock, at which point, of course, she walks over. And his, his dad's mouth is just hangs open the entire time. And the look on his mom's face is she's just heartbroken. She just looks <laughs> heartbroken. <laughs> You might might have been reading into that a bit much, but that's fine. Didn't you think she looked heartbroken? I thought that that their reactions were a mere flip of the reaction of the parents. And how, like, the father's look was, like, how Kate looked when she saw. And the mother, like, you couldn't really tell what was going on, was the same as Spencer when he walked back in and was just staring. (sighs) Well, see, that's why we do this, folks. We do this with someone who studied film at an Ivy League adjacent college. Ivy League adjacent, Drexel University. There you go. I think it's funny that that you just saw in the mother a look of just pure disappointment. Not disappointment. (laughs) Heartbroken. Oh. It's different. (laughs) Heartbroken. Damn it. It is different. I'll tell you, this did bring up some um, some not happy remembrances for me. Mm. Okay, so then Kate is talking to Spencer, and she says, you can't break their hearts over a drink and then expect them to sit down to dinner. And he says, uh, Kate says, you're wrong. The doctor will accept whatever we say, but Joey won't. And she said, until today, I would never believe I'm going to say this. But when she fights you, I'm going to be on her side. And so he's been shaving and drinking and shaving and drinking. 
and putting the brush back in the shave all through the scene. And then he's so discombobulated when she says it that he puts the brush in the drink. And you know, that I'm betting I'm not a scotch drinker, but I'll bet it was top of the line scotch. Oh, and he put, put his shaving brush in it. It was ruined. He goes, well, I'd never believed I'd hear you say such a thing. And she goes, would you like me to get you another drink? No, I'll get it myself. So he's feeling all alone. So, of course, Effervescent Joey is riding home with, well, she's driving, mm-hmm. actually. Very I awkward. Was, Very awkward yeah. car ride home. Uh, yeah, if only that were as awkward as things got. Um, yeah, so she's driving, He's and it's a silent ride home. And um, so finally, one of his parents says, how, how did your parents behave? Um, the mom asked. What? The mom asked how the parents reacted. And the two of you are acting like escaped lunatics? You said that? Um, I believe that's the dad. And at which point, John says... This whole thing just happened. We didn't plan it. So the Monsignor comes to the house early. We don't see anything uh, left of the ride home. Kate is crying. She says, we're in trouble. John told me, uh, John told us he wouldn't marry Joey without our approval and Matt can't approve. And Tilly says to them, remember, Tilly's the hell. You and Mr. Matt going to put a stop to this damn nonsense foolishness. And uh, she says, I don't understand nothing no more. So the Monsignor says, uh, Christina had more respect for Joey's judgment. Um. I guess the Monsignor's talking to Spencer Tracy again. Mm-hmm. Then there, because uh, he's feel because uh, Spencer Tracy's Mike feels that he's bo- been boxed into a corner. Yeah, he's all alone. Nobody sees his point of view. Yeah, and he has a valid point of view. Damn it! I know why you're why you're angry. You're angry with yourself. You're off balance. You've gone back on yourself, laddie. For 30 years, there's no man I've respected more. This is the first time in 30 years I feel sorry for you. Mm -hmm. And then Spencer's all like, hey, you don't have kids. You don't know what it's like. And the Monsignor says, not that you know of. (laughs) You don't know what I'm doing, as we'll find out years later in a Netflix documentary. Exactly. And then the Monsignor says... um, they are this country. They'll change this world. And Spencer Tracy's going, I don't want it to be on the back of my child. I don't want her to get hurt. I don't want her to be injured in any way. Honk, 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 honk. The in-laws are there. <laughs> the apprentices come in. Everyone is being so sociable. Oh, my gosh. May I have your talk. coat? Yes. Would you like a drink? What shall you have? I'd like some sherry. I thought sherry was only for cooking. What is sherry? Sherry is nasty. It's like it's like a, a sweet 
wine. Oh, because they drank it in last week's movie, uh, Philadelphia Stories. I like what and, rich white people drink. Sherry. Oh gosh, I don't. I don't know. I felt like uh, at this moment, I felt like Kate would have rather had a gin gimlet. Yeah, K- Kate. Seem, they seem like gin people. Yeah, but Kate's going. You know what? I'm going to make her feel comfortable. I'm going to have a sherry too. Although, and I, I bet she thought this sweet, sweet stuff sucks. Oh, well, maybe. What? Well, I was thinking that maybe she was like, oh, I'll have a sherry, just like being nice, thinking, you know, playing the whole politics of it. When yes. the the black mother probably was like, I could go for a nice gin as well. Yeah. 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 Hold the lime juice. Hold just, everything. Just but straight. <laughs> gin and um, ice. At which point, Ephesus effervescent joey is saying john and i are hoping all four of you are flying to geneva to be with us at our wedding oh are we okay okay so mr prentice and spencer they both are like you guys are rushing this thing this is not okay so then this was like uh a game of (laughs) capture the flag or something i have a a note here that says joey is a pistol (laughs) at this point (laughs) I'm like, but Joey, Joey is a pistol. Joey is being ever completely optimistic. Because if very she lets one tiny fissure into her facade, it's all gonna go to hell. Trust me. Were you <laughs> were you this effervescent? I wasn't this effervescent, but I could but not I was picture freaking you being positive. I could not picture. I, I could picture you being positive, but I could not picture you being so effervescent. Oh uh, yeah, that that would expend way too many calories. Yeah, I'm like you're way too sarcastic to be this effervescent. <sighs> oh, okay. Uh, so at this point, Mrs. Prentice and Kate are on the terrace, and Kate says, "Are you shocked?" And Mrs. Prentice says surprised it never really occurred to me but they also she also mentions that she was on the plane and she saw the sunset and see she and the and kate saw the sunset so they have that in common that's an instant bond you're like oh they both took in the beautiful sunset they are also bonded in the fact that they are women well that'll come out okay so kate goes i was at first but but they're deeply in love and Mrs. Prentice says, are you telling me you will approve, but your husband won't? And Kate goes, yeah. And, and Mrs. Prentice says, my husband won't either. And Kate goes, there just isn't any time. And somebody says, we, we just have to trust the two of them and accept. And Mrs. Prentice goes, my husband won't. So now Mr. Prentice and the dad are in the study. Because Joey's gone to pack. She's gone to pack because she's leaving tonight. Yeah, I'm getting on a jet plane. And truth be told, she's leaving tonight no matter what. No matter what. Either either with plans that you'll see me at Christmas or not. Or you'll never see me again. And that's where you get to in this situation. You go, what am I prepared to give up? I'm prepared to give up anybody who's not supportive of this. Because I don't feel like I can breathe another breath if this person isn't in my life. You, there's a line in the sand. Let me make this easy for you to quote right. Eminem, the great lyricist of our time. If, if you choose not to stand, or you're, you're either with me or you're against me. Right. 
and this is this is how it's going to be so make your choice you can you can change your mind later but i'm going so um uh so that they say you're right both of the fathers are right they know that that this isn't enough time this isn't the right decision and they are not going to approve uh, Monsignor, I'll have another drink, if you will. Oh, Monsignor says that to Mr. Prentice. And Joey goes up to Pat. Monsignor, I was sorry to hear you'll withdraw. Oh, Monsignor says this to Sydney. Yeah. I was sorry to hear you'll withdraw if you encounter any opposition. <sighs> so now John and his mom are on the terrace. Uh, and John says, I set the terms. Only Mr. Drayton doesn't approve. And the mom says, I feel the same way as Mrs. Drayton. Um, and he says to his mom, you know what it's been like these last eight years. And all of a sudden, I feel like I'm alive again. Well, what's a mom going to say to that? I know, because we're all operating under the assumption that the the her his wife and kid really did die in a tragic train accident. Of natural causes or a tragic... Yeah, it was a tragic... Auto crash. It was a, no, Aaron? I believe he said it was a train wreck. Or maybe okay. I just made that up, but I was pretty sure. Which is sure. verifiable, Aaron. Get yeah. off it. He I'm is just not saying, a mass killer. At this point, like we're just suspending... You know, all right. His this part of his story is verifiable. Okay, I'm listening to Dirty John right now. Okay, people. No, it's not okay. This is John Wade Prentice. Yes, he's perfect. I get it. Well, then he goes to the study with his father. Ooh. Now, Mrs. Prentice says to John, "This is an unhappy night." Hurt, they are going to be worse than you know. And uh, you never, who said you never made a mistake like this before? Oh, John and his dad, somebody says this is a mistake. Stop and think. You're breaking the law, son. You're way out of line, boy. What will people say about you? If I had a nickel for every time I heard that one, we would be a rich family. We would be in the San Francisco Hills right now. Oh, oh, you're saying that? I thought you were doing a line from the film. No, that, that, oh. was, that was a personal I was like, edition. wow, this is... <laughs> now, at this point, when the film was made, um, June, of, June 12th, 1967, Loving versus Virginia overturned the ruling that there could not be interracial marriage. So while this so, was being filmed, it was still illegal. Right. But but at the time of its release, it was no longer illegal. Right. So then I believe uh, I believe this is Mrs. Prentice talking to Spencer Tracy. Um, well... Like, did we get to the whole point where John delivers, like, a crazy speech? Oh, okay. That was later. So that, See, because yes. we kept cutting yeah, to the, different scenes of different people mm -hmm. talking to each other. You're right. So then the mom asked, what happened to men that they grow old and they forget what was? 
Right. And she says, those two need each other like air. That's really, I felt that way. I felt like I would not be able to take another deep breath if I wasn't with your poppy. You're all Tony Braxton. Do you know how they feel about each other? If you ever felt what my son feels for your daughter, you've forgotten all about it. You knew once. If you did, how could you do what you're doing? You say you don't want to tell me. And then John is saying to his father, you tell me you, you don't want to tell me how to live. But I owe you nothing. You did what you were supposed to do. You brought me into this world, and then you took care of me. I won't live my life by your rules. I've got to get, you've got to get off my back. You're my father, and I love you. You think of yourself as a colored man. I think of myself as a man. Yeah, I was like, ooh, damn. That was kind of... uh, he kind of just, I was like, did he just call his dad and Uncle Tom? Well, he <laughs> just called his dad a, a person who is stuck in what he knows and isn't looking to to what could be. I was like, ooh. ooh. Yeah. <laughs> he said, I don't owe you anything. I was like, ooh. He, he did carry the mail a lot of miles. But hey, he he gave birth to that kid, and that's what he had to do to support the kid. Yeah, I know. I thought that was harsh. I just thought I was like, well, I mean, John, you are a doctor. I mean, I didn't go that hard. And the mom, and the mom was, and he, and the dad told him he was like, "You're, we gave up a lot. Like your mom didn't even have a decent coat, so you could go and become a doctor." So, yeah. it was like, don't tell me about, like, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. Like, you're, hello, you're a doctor. I did. So, I, yeah. I was like, ooh, John, that's, ee. It was harsh. It was harsh. I guess it needed to be said. So, we cut to effervescent Joey. Oh, Joe, pistol. Packing, and she's so happy. Spencer is tracing the terrace. John is in the study. Everybody's thinking, 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 except Joey, who's just going to do what she's going to do. What if Joey is really high as a kite this entire film? It's a possibility. It's just give me all of the happy medication you can give me. And she's just going with it. That's a way to rewatch it. (laughs) Yeah, some some happy pills. Mr. and Mrs. Prentice are with the Monsignor in the front room. And Mrs. Prentice says, please, John, please say no more. I believe that was the father, John. And Spencer goes, I'll be a son of a bitch. Oh, yes, because the Monsignor, so the Monsignor sitting there with Mr. and Mrs. Prentice. And the Monsignor's like, I have been in. I mean, you can imagine me being a Monsignor and all the uh, different situations and tragedies and calamities with which I am supposed to offer comfort. But even in this moment, I have nothing. So I'm just not going to say anything. And then the dad, he's about to talk, say something. And the mom's like, just just be quiet. There really is nothing for anyone to say right now. Right. That's cold blooded. This is like he's he's seen some stuff. The Monsignor. Even he doesn't know what to say. 
So Spencer walks into his study. John is there. And John goes, you, you didn't have the guts to tell me face to face. And Spencer goes, uh, uh, I'm calling everybody together. I'm right, calling so, everybody to the front room. Everybody come in and sit down. So Spencer, he's been thinking. And this is where it's important to remember what he does for a living. Spencer, as Matt, a.k.a. Matt, is a newspaper man. He's a new, he, I think he owns the newspaper, actually. He's a publisher of the newspaper, which means he is a decision maker. He is a man who has to make tough decisions. And so he is used to thinking everything through and coming to decisions. I think it's very important that they made him a newspaper man. Makes sense. Decision maker. I didn't think of that. Yeah, has to make decisions. Especially that time, and he was always ta- he's always touted as being a very liberal publication. So you know, at times it's like, oh, we gotta, you know, think of the Washington Post in the future, deep throat. Are we gonna publish this? Can we verify our sources? What, what's what's the integrity? Can we do it? Can we not? Oh, so many good movies about newspapers. He's a newspaper man. So Spencer sits everybody down. He says, it's been a very strange day. And I have a few personal statements to make. First, Tilly, come sit down. Today, you've been nothing but making trouble. Well, all hell done broke loose now, says Tilly. <laughs> and Second. I like how I like how the first poor, like Tilly just said, like all hell is broken loose. In the meantime, she's been cooking for a dinner that keeps escalating by people by the hour more and more people are showing up which means more and more work for tilly to do and yet it reminded <laughs> me of uh philadelphia story when they kept inviting more people to whatever meal that was yeah oh we, we, we'll just just make room just make room and they're having steaks so everybody's having well done steaks by now yeah i mean she's like and because when he goes to get her he's like the food she's like the food's ready so guess what there goes hot food no hot food no hot Whoops. food and it's not my fault because this food has been ready and y'all been dealing with this foolishness that's what that's my point okay point number two my daughter intended to get married to a negro i was flabbergasted but she says there's going to be a marriage no no matter what then john comes and tells me he'll only get married with my approval and 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 pistol joey is like oh what yeah, she knew nothing about that. We didn't have a caveat here. Uh, what happened to the United Front? On the diamond. What happened to the United Front? Yeah. Um, so, day one, my wife decided to ignore all reason and go with her heart and see that somebody's happy, and so she's going to be out there picking flowers and being happy with her. <laughs> The Monsignor just challenged me to a wrestling match because Monsignor did say if I were younger, I'd wrestle you before I'd let you go down there and say no. Now, do you, I mean, are we going to like look a little into this? I mean, like, did the Monsignor, maybe the, I think the Monsignor maybe was just using this as an excuse. He, he just wanted to wrestle Spencer. Probably. And he'd win because Spencer was on his last legs. <laughs> you can't, you can't wrestle a man on his deathbed. Really? Then he goes, Mr. Prentice comes in here and asks me if I'm some kind of a nut. Mrs. Prentice tells me I'm an old bird out shell that doesn't know how his son feels about my daughter. And 
and John made the mistake of attaching too much importance to my parental approval. What matters is how these two feel. And if it's half what we felt, what I felt for Kate, it's everything. Oh. At which point Kate really cries. Oh, this is, this is in real life. This, this got me. Oh, I was watching it because I was like, I was out of the movie. I was just like, this is real life right here. And just this is this is the third and final scene in which Kate Hepburn wins her Oscar. And she wasn't even doing any work. Nothing at all. Nothing at all. Just reacting. Then Spencer turns to the lovebirds and says, the trouble you're going to have is almost unimaginable. But. You have no problem with me. You don't know what you're up against. You're just going to have to ride it out, cling tight to each other. You're two wonderful people who happen to fall in love with a pigment problem. Joey's crying. Kate's crying. Everyone. All right, let's go eat. So then he goes, well, Tilly, when the hell are we going to have some dinner? And the credits roll. Now, did you notice... But I think it's interesting that the old black man just has to go along with everything. Yeah, just, he didn't. He didn't even get to say anything. No, it it wasn't. It was almost as if it didn't even matter what he said. It hey, only he mattered what the white guy said. Yeah. Whose house are they sitting in? <laughs> He's, it is Who's my sitting house. at the top of that hill? Huh? 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 All right. And that's, guess who's coming to dinner? So, do you have tidbits? I got some tidbits. I have a bit of trivia. When they were, when uh, Joey and John Wade Prentice were in the study, there was a three-inch bronze of Spencer Tracy. Catherine Hepburn actually really made that in real life. In real life. And it auctioned for something like, Three hundred thousand dollars for it, it auctioned for three hundred sixteen thousand dollars. Yes, when it was sold, Catherine Hepburn never saw the completed movie. It was too painful because it was her last time with Spence. Catherine Hepburn won the Oscar. Um, and. I think I, oh, there was a part in there where Tilly, where somebody says to Tilly, guess who's coming to dinner? And she says, Martin Luther King. But it was released before his assassination. And when he was assassinated, they took that part out. And then in 1969, then they restored it. Then they restored it. Yeah. Because it was a good line. Yeah, it was good. Although, That's what I got. What you got, girl? Uh, what do I got? What do I got? Well, I have... Well, speaking of Martin Luther King, so uh, this is a year before, in 1966. Because everybody... Like, 1963 was the I Have a Dream speech. And every, I think we all look back and we're like, yeah, he had a dream. And we, we see the, the protesting and the marches. And we're like, yeah, that was... Like, everybody... Everybody was behind it. Not so much. In 1966, Martin Luther King Jr.'s positive rating, according to a Gallup poll, was 32% positive and 63% negative. Mm. So let's let's not all 
like all hop on the like oh everything like marches and this is what people thought of marches when the marches actually happened just a little context for right you know 32 percent positive you look back he's holding hands we're talking about uh salem the you know walking across the bridge i have a dream i shall overcome peaceful marching sit-ins freedom riders 32 percent positive 63 percent negative most people they didn't like they didn't like all these marches and protests and whatnot yeah. um so i read that stanley kramer and katherine houghton they received some death threats after the release i didn't know that i i, I this is very this could not be like this is the internet who knows um james baldwin noted that dr prentice placated white liberals but skewed reality for blacks that he was just too perfect yes but then there's like the flip side um there were so few representations of black people living a fully realized dimensions within the white culture that there are many people who were happy that they got to see Sidney Poitier as a strong black man he was happy he was funny and he wasn't a sidekick right so it was a positive representation um, he stood up to himself to his father, and he kind of did to Spencer Tracy. He when was he respectful. Said, you couldn't tell me face to face. Yeah, he. I mean, he was always very respectful. Yes. Um. And Spencer, I mean Spencer Tracy, Sidney Poitier wasn't having a bit of a moment himself as an actor. He was in The Heat of the Night, which also came out in the same year and won Best Picture. Mm-hmm. Um. He had been in, like, a whole bunch of... What's the movie he was in? They call me Mr. Tibbs. He was in that. And, um... To Sir With Love, I think that is. To Sir With Love, yeah. Um, yeah, so... So we know that Spencer Tracy, he died 17 days after making this film. So he died on June 6, 1967. And so we know that 12 days prior to that that's when they finished it and yeah as you said loving first virginia that was uh june 12th 1967 i meant the spencer tracy died june 10th if i didn't say that um and roger ebert in his review he points out that tracy spencer tracy's character comes around after his masculinity has been questioned and race is secondary, which I note is so American. Oh. If you can, if you can put something before race as the reason, that's that's more American than apple pie. Wow. So, yeah, that that was the final kind of tipping point was when the uh-huh. mother kind of points out, like, oh, it's just because you know, whatever, whatever. So. That's what I have. And the fact that she could be so well-spoken to him as well. Well, yeah, I guess so. I wasn't surprised, but then... No, but but he might have been. Yeah, well, it's true. I mean, he's, he's, uh, he's living in San Francisco. He's a liberal newspaper man, and it's very easy to be liberal in your views until, until... it's, like, right on your front door, and then you're like... Ah, you mean I gotta yeah. walk the walk too? Exactly. Which is it? That's just very interesting. Yes, talk the talk, but walk the walk. Right. 
Yes. So. So that's where we are. You know what we didn't discuss before this? What? Oh no! (laughs) Well, this is this is we are behind the curtains, behind the scenes, giving the fans an insight into the decision-making process, (laughs) which is fascinating. Oh, if you didn't pop popcorn yet. Well, mm-hmm. let me look at our notes. Bring up the list. I mean, we did do two Catherine Hepburn in and bro. We did. So we have to let Kate alone. We have to bid. But we I have I so It joy. happened one night, bringing up baby, the country girl. Well, we can't do bringing up baby because that's Hepburn. Oh, my God. Citizen Kane. We have the Godfathers. We have To Kill a Mockingbird. We have Mad, 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 Bad World. No. I know. Um. Shall it be a surprise for our listeners? Well, well, well. I guess it will be. It will be written in the write-up. It will be in the notes. Oh, okay. They will see what we decide. When we post it, Mm -hmm. uh, our producer will add it to uh, the notes that let you know that this is up and ready to be listened to. Mm -hmm. Indeed. So was that... I hope you enjoyed our trip to San Francisco this evening. Yes. With the effervescent, effervescent Joey, effervescent Joey, and well-spoken Sydney Poitier. <laughs>